Good evening, everyone. It is the first episode of the new year, so I'd like to wish everyone a happy holidays and happy new year and all that stuff. And uh, me and Jeff are together. We're going to talk about uh, Kill List, which was finally, finally. But hey, yeah, every, everyone was sick, man. That couple of week yeah. period, so it's rough. Yeah, so this is kind of like a, I guess, a makeup episode or whatever you want to call it. Yes. My apologies, everyone. I flew for the holidays, and someone probably coughed in the airport, and I walked into that cough cloud and, uh, you know, got sick. Not COVID, but still sick enough to be, I think I had it. Um, but here we are still two years later, and I'm still, you know, without COVID. So I'm thankful for that. Well, you're fit and uh, ready to go. So, uh, so yeah, this is, uh, this is a good time. So Yeah, absolutely. So, still, my apologies for this episode being late, everyone. Have you seen anything recently? Watched anything cool, et cetera? Um, well, you know, uh, since I was traveling for the holidays, I, I remembered how much I enjoyed reading to pass the time on a plane. So, I've uh, been reading a bit more. I don't usually talk about a lot of books when we talk about what we've been up to. But um, I had to drop my girlfriend off at the airport in Burbank. Because uh, she flew out before I did. And I remembered Burbank is home to Dark Delicacies. Um, the books, well, it's more than a bookstore now, but I think when it started, it was primarily a bookstore with, with a focus on horror. And, uh, you know, they have a lot of like horror related things, posters, little knickknacks. Uh, they do a lot of signings, a lot of events. Uh, if you're a horror fan and you live in the Southern California area, LA area, you got to make a trick. The dark delicacies great place so uh i dropped her off at the airport and uh went there and uh bought, bought a book to read uh on the airplane it was it's called dark delicacies 2 subtitled fear and it's edited by the uh owner of dark delicacies del howitson uh cool but I, anthologies short stories I, are it seems like tailor-made for a flight you know you're not Tune in, you know, you can just kind of read something that's 20, 30 pages long, put it down, you know, have a shitty peanut or pretzel snack, <laughs> and then go back, go yeah. back to it. You know what I mean? Um, and then while I was in Nashville, um, that's where I was traveling to. I stopped at a Barnes and Noble and uh, got a Joe Hill book because, oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know, you turned me on to this podcast, the Kingcast. Yeah. Yep. And uh, obviously Joe Hill comes up because if you don't know, um, I don't know what rock you've been crawling under, but Joe Hill is actually the son of Stephen King. And this book was talked about on the King cast, 20th Century Ghosts. And uh, so, yeah, I picked that up. I never read any uh, Joe Hill, not in any collections or anything. And um, have you ever read anything by him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That heart-shaped box. He's, he's good. I enjoy his work. yeah. The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, I would say. I don't think he eats. He doesn't write in his dad's voice, but he's a lot of similar themes, you know, kids with psychic powers and uh, ghosts that haunt movie theaters, things like that. You know what I mean? Like it didn't seem too too far removed from Stephen King, but uh, definitely a different style of writing for sure. And uh, that's awesome. Man. I picked, yeah, I picked it up because uh, I didn't realize. Uh, uh, the Black Book, a film that's coming out, well, it was supposed to come out in February, now it's coming out in uh, June. Uh, the Black Book is based on a story in this book. I don't know if we talked about that before, but it's a very short story. It's, you know, 15 pages or so. Not like they must have uh, really 
added a lot to it to make it a feature length film. And, you haven't, uh, yeah. you haven't mentioned this before. Oh, okay. All right. I, I forget sometimes. Um, I was probably talking to myself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was good. It's a good, uh, effective thing to, to, to read on the plane. You know, the stories weren't like just too disturbing or anything or, and they were both, uh, I recommend them both. But like I said, you live in LA, go to dark delicacies. I'm sure you'll find, and you're a horror fan. You're going to find something that you want. Um, aside from that, uh, I started watching and finished, uh, Ozark. You know what, man? I have not seen any of those fucking episodes, man. And everyone tells me to check it out. Uh, everyone's wrong. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the okay. opposite. I, I watched the whole thing because I was curious enough for where the story goes, but I mean, and it's compared to breaking bad a lot. This is not breaking bad at all. It's not anything of that caliber. It is a show where people do frustratingly stupid things to advance the plot. And, uh, it takes place in the Ozark, but everyone is doing a different variety of like redneck accents. And it's like this mismatch of like, Hey, hey man, no, like, you know, like this, Alabama shit kicker and then you have someone doing like a more authentic Ozark accent and nothing seems to like mesh and it's one of those stories where like it's constantly turmoil like there's never a break from the like you know like uh, the main character puts out one fire but doesn't realize he started there's two more starting behind him and it's like that for three seasons and it just goes and goes and I found it it gave me a headache I don't know but but it, <laughs> But, you know, like, I kept watching it, mostly because, one, I was home alone, and then, two, like, you know, I'm in Nashville, like, there's nowhere to go, nothing to do, so I'm just like, I'll finish watching this fucking show. Um, I didn't like it. Really? Okay. And it wasn't, right. you know, we talked before, you know, I know you're currently watching Dexter, where we kind of talked about <laughs> how it's, it's a dumb show, but it's enjoyable. Right. Uh, this was a dumb show that was not enjoyable, populated by characters you hate. Um. How are you on Dexter? You still watching it? I think yeah. we were on season four last time we talked. You yeah, yeah, yeah. It up? No, uh, not yet. Not quite. You know, I had to take a little break from watching it. Some other things I was doing, but uh, I, I still like it, man. I, mean, I like. I think it's you know, like I said, it's fucking silly, but it's it's good. The characters are good. You know, I I really enjoyed John Lithgow as uh, the as a Trinity killer. Uh, yeah, that was a good season. Yeah, like, um, he, he just looks like a creep, John Lithgow. You know, there's something creepy about his face. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think it's when I think of him, I think of Raising Kane, that yeah. De Palma film. Yep. Uh, I don't think about Harry and the Hendersons. I think about Raising Kane. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, like when he plays a creep, you're like, yeah, of course, he's, he's perfect for it. He just has um, like a soft face of like the kind of guy who would take advantage of someone. You know what I mean? Totally. He's so good in that role, too, as yeah. a Trinity killer. Yep. Like, definitely the the best uh, guest star of that whole series. And, um, you know, I, I found Dexter frustrating, too. It's supposed to be, He's supposed to be the smartest guy in the room, but he's constantly doing dumb shit that could get him almost caught. But, you know, whatever. That's what kind of makes it fun to watch. Enjoyable. Like, you know it's goofy, but, you know, whatever. You're along for the ride. Yeah, no, I, I like it, man. And, and I... um. Yeah, the new season was this new. The new season was cool, and and I just um, I don't know. It's it's I enjoy it. You know, I I, I am not going to go to bat and say that it's great or good even, but I'll I'll, uh, I'll say that if you want to watch something that's fun, you know, and and you put your brain on hold for an hour, then go for it. You know. 
Yeah, and I, I know I've mentioned this before. They filmed it in my old building that I used to live in, and uh, my ex-wife brought a knife down and had the actor who played Dexter sign it. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, he was very nice about it. He's like, well, this is kind of new. I think he talked about it on a, on a show or really? something like that. Like, you know, it's like, hey, you ever sign anything weird for a fan? <laughs> you know? <laughs> He's like, well, actually, yeah, you know, sign a knife. Well, and I was like, I wonder if they're talking about my ex-wife. Or, <laughs> is he like, it was for the guy from ISIS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this guy's in this fucking metal band. <laughs> he lived in the building. Um, but yeah, you know, they were, they were always really cool. I always enjoy watching the process of things being made. That's one of the cool things about living in L.A. You'll be driving down the street, and next thing you know, you're seeing Jim Carrey pretending to drive a car that's being dragged by a truck. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, kind of like, oh, wow, Jim Carrey pretending to drive a car. <laughs> when I, when um, I lived in Greenpoint, there was um... – it was during that era when people were filming stuff a lot in that neighborhood. Like they filmed girls and uh, um, Boardwalk Empire was filled there, filmed there rather. Oh, cool. I, like, I and, like that show. Yeah, yeah. There was like this, now, now it's a, a big condo complex, but there was this huge lot at the end of Franklin Avenue that would have all of the, um, you know, the, a lot, all the stuff of old school Atlantic City were, were sets. So they, they actually stored a lot of that stuff down there in this big field that was fenced in. And, oh, uh, cool. Yeah. You know, people, I, I didn't see any of these people, but they would say Steve Buscemi would come into uh, Brooklyn Label for coffee and lunch and things like that. And um, one time, uh, it, he wasn't on the show, but um, the fuck's that guy's name, man? The Irish guy from Boston, the comedian, Dennis Leary. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dennis Leary went in, into the, into Brooklyn Label one time and made a fucking huge deal out of everything, man. He was just like, get this guy out of my fucking sight line. He was like yelling at the um, the owner and stuff. <laughs> oh, that's a bum out to hear. Yeah, well, I mean, he looks like the kind of guy that would be a pain in the ass, honestly. Yeah, well, he's from Boston, you know. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of part of your DNA, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. Like, like uh, the day when we moved to L.A., we started watching Rescue Me because nothing had shown up. We had a laptop. And nothing else. Like all of our, our, our stuff was being moved on a truck. And we got the first season of Rescue Me. And then it was crazy to see that they filmed a bunch of it in the neighborhood we had just moved from. So it seems like everywhere I've lived has shown up in a movie or a TV show. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Mystic River. Uh, Mystic River. Mystic. Is that like... Um... Sean, Sean Penn. Yes. Clint yes. Directed yes. It. Yes. It's a There's place a... in Massachusetts. Boston. Yeah. Yeah, they filmed that the scenes at the liquor store I lived above. Oh, okay. I just like random. I come home from tour one day and I go into the liquor store because that's where I got my mail. We didn't have a mailbox. Like, <laughs> that's like, awesome. Go to the liquor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I look around. There's all these pictures of Clint Eastwood and and uh, and uh, uh, Kevin Bacon. And I'm like, what? When were these? What were these guys doing here? And the guys like, yeah, they're filming some fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And then I go to see Mystic River, and there it is. It's just like I, I can't escape my uh, all my old neighborhoods. They're all all up there on the screen. Pretty That's pretty weird. cool, man. Yeah, it that, is. It is. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, it's uh, a nice reminder. The Daredevil series. There was a lot of shots of Greenpoint. There was um that that series on Netflix. You. Oh yeah, yeah. With the the, the comedian, the guy that got canceled. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, that a lot of that is filmed in and around Greenpoint. As, as a matter of fact, I think they make a point of saying that someone lives there because that neighborhood is now like, you know, if you're like some like uh, very, you know, 
you're like a graphic designer or something like that. You're like one of these kind of like, um, you're, you're basically a yuppie, but you fool yeah. yourself into thinking that you're this fringe character, you know, even though like you right. have like this very high paying job and you're a corporate person, but you know, you can have, you can wear like sandals, you know, to work and, and right. you know, fucking have a mustache and stuff, neck tattoo and things. <laughs> That'd be funny if Daredevil's beating the shit out of those people. <laughs> that would be great, you know. But uh, but yeah, um, they filmed that though. I was I, I only watched a few episodes of that season when it came out, and uh, I'm like, oh yeah, that's you know whatever Franklin Avenue again, you know. Yeah, God, anything that takes place in L.A., I'm always like looking at the street signs. I'm like, oh, I know where that is. I know where they're going. Um, uh, I, I am, I'm a sucker for stuff like that. Like I'm, I think I've sent you a bunch of photos of horror movie locations that I've seen yep, uh, totally. over the years. Yeah, there was a Prince bunch of them when I was a yeah. Prince of Darkness. Uh, I don't know if you remember the movie from the 80s, House. Yep, of course. Uh, that house where they filmed the exteriors for that was uh, was uh, on my, on right next to one of the stops they used to stop at. And it's it still looks the exact same. And it looks completely out of place in this neighborhood of like kind of smaller L.A. style homes. And then at the end of the street, you have this big, weird Victorian house that looks exactly, <laughs> almost exactly like it did in like 1986. I get a kick out of things like that. I just, you know, I do. All these uh, kids that live in Greenpoint now, I'd, I'd like to um, give them another, uh, you know, they're, they're noticing that in girls and, uh, you know, you, that, oh, yeah, this is where I get my coffee in the morning. An interesting juxtaposition to that is if you rented a little movie called Street Trash. Mm. That was actually filmed in Greenpoint as well, the same neighborhood that um, uh, all the girls live in now. <laughs> interesting you can see gentrification happen on screen <laughs> exactly man. um you know the drummer for cable you grew up in Greenpoint. uh you yeah. know it was a very polish neighborhood and yeah he used to just tell stories like hey uh, it was pretty rough back then you know it's not like it is now and uh i, I know we've talked about this going to what, what is now the williamsburg music hall it used to be the north six and when it was the north six it was this desolate kind of nothing sketchy area and then when we go there 10 years, well, maybe not 10 years later, I don't know how long it was. But anyway, it was for our final tour, and the neighborhood was just booming. Bars, oh, yep. shops, you know, there was an American apparel store. That's always a sign that you're in a hip neighborhood back back in like 2009, 10, you know. Uh, it, was, it was crazy to see the, 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 the change, how it happened, and it seemed to happen rather quickly. Yeah, I remember distinctively like one summer when things started changing and I was uh I was like walking around Williamsburg and you know McCarran Park and all that and I was like man if I was like I should probably take pictures of all this stuff because it's going to look different in the next 5 years and sure enough it did it looks completely different than it did back in say 2000. And um, Yeah. It, yeah. It, I think um you know when we lived in Mission Hill you said you were talking uh it was kind of at the tail end of it being shitty but like the whole time I lived in Boston, it, it was, it must have changed so subtly I didn't even notice. But when I went back years later, completely different. Um, so these things, they happen faster than you think. But if you're there while, while it's happening, it doesn't seem to be changing. But like if you go away for a little bit and come back, you realize how, how things change and they, they can happen so fast. So anything else you've been checking out? Well, yeah, one last uh, thing. Uh, it wouldn't be a Necromaniacs podcast without giving a shout-out to Tom Flagati. Um When I was living in New York, I found 
um, two volumes of The Nightmare Factory, which were uh, graphic novel interpretations of uh, some of his stories. I think each each book has like four stories uh, that are, you know, drawn and uh, it was a really cool series, kind of a big swing to, to, to adapt Ligotti into graphic novels, thinking anyone would care. Um, apparently they didn't because a third volume was planned and never happened. But uh, they're long out of print, but they are very, very cool. It's hard to get, I would imagine it's hard to get the visuals for Ligotti right. And these artists, for the most part, do that. Uh, and they adapt some of his better stories, I think, like uh, Gas Station Carnivals, uh, Teatro Grotesco, um, The Sect of the Idiot. Really, really good stories. And it's cool to have that visual component to it, especially when we, that they get it so right. You know, lots of like creepy towns, on a, you know, abandoned towns or like you'd see like some sort of like someone shuffling down the street, you know, who doesn't quite look right. They, they, re they really nail that. Um, I think it's a shame these weren't like more well known. Uh, I don't know if they're if they're probably out of print. You can probably still get them for a lot of money on eBay or Etsy or something like that. But uh, if you're a fan and you see this like lying around at a used bookstore or something like that, I I, I highly recommend picking them up. The Nightmare Factory. Yeah, they're great, man. And and even if you're not familiar with Legati, you like we talk enough about him that maybe you should check him out. Yes. One of the, one of the best to ever, to, to ever do it. So yeah, that's that's I think that's pretty much uh, what I've been up to. What about you, man? Uh, well, you know, as we mentioned, I've been watching Dexter. Uh, Dexter, you know, catching yeah. up on that. Um, I saw this uh, film called Phantoms, that's based on a, a Dean Koontz uh, novel. Oh, from like the nineties, right? Yeah, it's got like this kind of crawling chaos, like Lovecraftian sort of vibe to it, and uh, it's got. Uh, Young, it's from the 90s, yeah. So it's like super, super 90s. It's got Ben Affleck, Rose McGowan, a young Lev oh, wow. Schreiber. You know, it's, uh, it was entertaining. Like, it was definitely fun. It was, you know, it was um, very dated, but I, I enjoyed it, you know. Yeah, you know, I never, never saw that. But, uh, yeah, it must have been young. Ben Affleck, you don't probably see him fucking in too many genre movies at this point in his career. <laughs> nah, definitely not, you know. Um, um, yeah, then I saw this, uh, short that I think Mike and I are going to speak about called, uh, AM 1200. Oh, where'd you see that? It's on YouTube. And I think that's oh, why okay. Mike and I are going to cover it because that's been kind of this like un unspoken, uh, you know, sub genre of films that are only on YouTube right now that we've been talking about. And, uh, oh, very cool. it's only like 45 minutes long and, um, it's got the guy who played uh, uh, Leland Palmer has a small part in it. Ray Wise? Ray Wise, yeah. I, I, I should have wrote his name down, man. Sorry, Ray. But uh, <laughs> He's listening. <laughs> yeah, if you're out there, Ray. And it's, uh, you know, it's love, very, very weird fiction, Lovecraft. Um, it's about this, this, this guy who pulls off some, some scam and he leaves town and he's driving through some desolate uh, de part of the desert. And he hears a radio transmission about somebody who needs help. And he tries to find this AM radio transmitting station. And he finds it. And there's a secret lurking in a tunnel beneath mm. the radio station. Very, very good. Very low budget. But it's so 
well done and well executed. Uh, I don't have any more information about the filmmaker, but it's um, definitely worth checking out. You can, I'll post it. You know, when we do the episode on it, we're definitely going to post the link on YouTube. Oh, great. You know, just so you, you can watch it right there, just on YouTube. It's fucking for everyone, you know. Yeah, Ray Wise is fantastic, too. He was in this horror movie from probably 20 years ago called uh, Dead End. You ever see that? I don't know if I've seen that. It doesn't ring a bell. It's kind of him and his family. They're trying to get somewhere for, I think, I think it's either Thanksgiving or Christmas. I can't quite remember. And they're kind of stuck in this like loop. They like, can't get where they're going. They're always sort of stuck on this one stretch of road. It was, uh, it was a little silly. It's probably dated at this point, but I remember really enjoying it. And like, a like, a, like, a, you could see it as, as like, it would have played better maybe as like an episode of masters of horror Okay. Or something like that, you know, like the, or short, you know, maybe like stretched out just maybe just a little bit too long. But uh, I remember it being pretty good. And just Ray Wise just has a face that like, you know, he, he's perfect for the, the, the horror genre. He you was know, also he was in our pretty... uh, first RoboCop, too. That's right. He was. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. He's the guy who gets kicked in the nuts in the club. Yeah. He, he plays he plays one of the henchmen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, he'll always be uh, Leland Palmer to me. Like, and he was just so good in that role. So menacing and sad and funny at the same time. I love how all the t the, the criminals, like the gang gang dudes in uh, RoboCop all look like middle managers at some insurance company, sort of. <laughs> yeah, Clarence Bodiger, <laughs> like the big bad bad guy. is yeah. like the, 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 the dad on the 70s show and... Uh, the toxic waste guy, I can't remember his name. He played a doctor on ER where like, they, you're like this, this was like one of the bad guys. Like now, now he's like this, like, you know, nice old bald doctor. Like it, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and this is going to tie into today's episode is, uh, last night I actually, I got my version, my, my Blu-ray of sensor from, from Severin. It finally oh. showed up. Well, let Great. me tell you, man, Severin really fucked up with the shipping around the holidays, man. You know? Oh man, that's too bad to hear. Yeah, yeah, a lot of shit's like, uh, you know, not, uh, not, not gonna show up in time. Well, actually, hold on a second. Did I get that from Severin or did I get it from Vinegar Syndrome? Uh oh, <laughs> controversy. Someone fucked up though, is what you're saying. So, uh, I'm, uh, th what I just said about sense about uh, Vinegar Syndrome is true. That's uh, none of their shit is this Black Friday stuff. Forget about it. You're not gonna get it. It's not going to show up till next, like sometime, you know, this year. Right. Okay. Well, you know, I guess maybe maybe they got more than they they thought. Who who knows? All you right. Know? So I stand corrected. Vinegar's my uh, my my version of censor. This new Blu-ray is on Vinegar Syndrome, and they did okay. the right thing. Shit showed up on time. Okay. Okay. So anyway, it comes with tons of extras. There's a whole documentary about uh, video nasties. There's interviews uh, with Prano Bailey Bond. And um, all these like editors and sound designers, and it's a very, very satisfying uh, package. And then uh, I watched, I rewatched the movie last night, and it, it blew me away again. And uh, also, uh, Michael Smiley is also in in Sensor. I don't know if we mentioned that. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. That's, yeah. yeah, and that I see how that ties in. And Sensor uh, got a note that it was, I think, the one movie the three of us all put in our top five. Yep. Exactly, and uh, and Smiley shows up in uh, in tonight's episode uh, when we talk about Kill List. But before yeah. we launch into uh, 
our discussion of kill list. I just want to do our shouts. Uh, shout out to Break the Apocalypse. Um, you know, our, our buddies out there who, who help us have a higher profile in the podcast verse. And also, Necro, not Necro, Horror Wolf 666, Brandon Legion's podcast. And Brandon's a friend of the show. So please go out and support these guys. And, uh, you know, if you're, into, if you're into supporting people, please support them. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Cool. All right. So let's get into it. Kill List from 2011. Yeah. UK, 95 mm-hmm. minutes. Budget of, get this, $800,000. That is what I really found surprising. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a fucking low, low budget. Jeff, yeah. I think, don't you usually have like 800K in your wallet? Yeah. You know, sometimes a little bit more, you yeah. know, so I don't like to show off. <laughs> Uh, directed by Ben Wheatley, and uh, you know we've covered Ben in the past. Um, he did uh, In the Earth, mm-hmm. Meg Two. That's, Coming soon. Yeah, it's that's <laughs> kind of kind of like a stands out. Um, yeah. a, f- a field in England, a movie that I actually quite enjoy. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah, Down Terrace, which is I haven't seen that, but you talk about it quite a bit. I just rewatched it before uh, be, 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 before doing this. And on, t- on TV, he's done episodes of Doctor Who and uh, Strange Angel. He did three episodes of that series. I don't know, have you ever seen that? No. Uh, Doctor Who never appealed to me, and I uh, don't know what Strange Angel is. Strange Angel is actually really good. It's about Jack Parsons, um, you know, the, the uh, occultist and rocket scientist. He's like okay. a, a real guy. It's like a, a dude who actually exists. Uh, you know, he was part of uh, the California, L.A., Alistair Crowley, Tholemic, uh, you know, sort of trip that was going on. And um, he met Alistair Crowley and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, they only did two seasons, and they kind of ended it on a cliffhanger, and they never made another season for it. So, But it's out there. So if you guys are interested, the first two seasons were, are quite enjoyable. And uh, mm, okay. Wheatley, Wheatley was involved in three of the episodes. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like he wasn't – it wasn't his thing. No. He was just like a hired. Okay, all right, all yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, Kill List was written by Ben Wheatley and and Amy Jump, and he also uh, was the director, as I just mentioned. So yeah. Uh, and as it said in the closing credits, additional dialogue by the cast. So, the cast had a hand in, I guess, some of their dialogue, which you know, we'll we'll get into in a little bit. That was an interesting note that I missed the first few times I saw it. Yeah. So the cast, speaking of cast, we have uh, mm. Nell Ma- Neil Maskell as Jay, Michael Smiley as Gal, uh, Mayanna Burring as Shell, Emma Fryer as Fiona, Harry Simpson as Sam, and Struan Roger as the client. Ominously named. Yeah, the client. So yeah, I would imagine... A lot to get into with this movie. First of all, I got to point out this. I think this is the first movie ever streamed on Amazon. This is like when streaming was sort of a new thing. Really? I think so. Well, for me, it was. I mean, this is when movies were starting to lose that stigma because you used to have that directed DVD thing in horror a lot. And that usually meant it probably wasn't very good. Whereas something went directly to streaming. It didn't necessarily mean it was bad. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. 
this is at the beginning of that. Uh, I went into this movie cold, and the only thing I knew about it was they compared it to another movie, which ended up kind of being a big spoiler <laughs> for, for the movie. First of all, spoilers. Obviously, this movie is 10 years old. You can't going to say it's going to be difficult to really break it down and talk about it without bringing up major plot points. Um, this movie was compared to, on the poster, it says uh, the, the Wicker Man. And it's interesting, like, when you watch this movie, like, the first tw- uh, the half hour, maybe longer, is not like, a, like your typical horror movie at all. It moves more of like a, you know, a, a family, a dark drama or something like that. And but just knowing like I was like, oh, it's compared to the Wicker Man, like it added to the tension for me of watching the movie, knowing that, well, if it's anything like that movie, this is going to end really badly for someone. But I don't know how yet. Yeah, well, that that's um, that's interesting. You bring up the Wicker Man and, and let's just as a quick aside, this movie is ahead was ahead of its time in some ways because of now you know now everyone you know they love this term folk horror and all this like you know like stuff that was kind of related to paganism and you know the last uh year-end episode i mentioned that movie demigod which is like the Mm -hmm. vanilla version of a folk horror movie um it was about the horned god and guess what it sucked the horn the movie Really, I like saying. Okay. I don't know why. It it's sucked the horn. It sucked. It sucked the horn, man. That movie it sucked the horn. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> All right. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> and also discussing the ending. Ending of this movie. This movie is. Uh, you kind of have to talk about the ending. You know what I mean? You have to because I guarantee you. Even though we have our ideas of what the movie is about and what the ending means. I guarantee you there'll be a multitude of different understandings of the film. So uh, definitely everyone's going to have their own take on it. And that's the, one of the greatest things about this movie is that it's not, nothing's really spelled out for you. There's a lot of, you know, foreshadowing events. A lot is left for you to interpret. And I think that this, this type of movie warrants multiple watchings. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You, you ask, two people about this movie you get two very different reactions and even every time i watch it i feel like i take something different from it yeah um yeah. and that's kind of rare in in, in in horror movies like you said yeah like this isn't really spelled out for you like there's a lot left for you to really think about how to get how it gets to the end of the movie um yeah, yeah exactly you know you, and- you just don't see a lot of that kind of stuff and I, and I think that even though you and I have our ideas, they're still probably going to be a little bit different. Like, I don't think you and I even are going to have the same take on this, you know? Absolutely. There's some things I even want to just, like, flat out ask you because I'm like, I'm not sure I know what I think about what that means. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I always got to mention, like, this is definitely a horror movie. I wouldn't call Ben Wheatley a horror director. And... Uh, I always find that sometimes people with an outside perspective can make some of the best horror movies. Like William Freakin wasn't a horror director, but he made The Exorcist. Right. Uh, Steven Spielberg, you know, made Jaws. He's not known for doing horror, but Jaws, one of the best horror movies ever made. And I don't think maybe like anyone but Ben Wheatley could have made this the way it is. 
it doesn't unfold like a horror movie. Like I said, it's paced differently. Uh, there's no big exposition dumps. You really just get to know the characters through and you get to know them very well and like some of them. And oh, yeah. it's all through naturalistic dialogue. Um, I mean, just on a technical level, it's a very interesting movie. It kind of like feels like, you know, it was made in 2011. I really feel like this could have been made in the seventies and it wouldn't really be much different. Yeah, I could see that for sure. It definitely has some of the feel of a movie from the seventies when it comes to the naturalism of the characters, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And sorry, we're going to say something. Well, I, I was just going to say that, um, you know, for any, anyone who's like really nerdy about horror, uh, and it wouldn't be an episode for me not to talk about weird fiction. You know, it's like, of how, course. how like weird fiction is not, it's, it's kind of horror, but it's a, it's its own like uh, offshoot of that. And I think that Wheatley's films, the three films that we've talked about or we've referred to is that, you know, this film, A Field in England and um, In the Earth, they're not horror movies in the sense that there's, uh, you know, there's like some lurking monster out there or a serial killer or werewolves or vampires or anything right. like that. It's, it's all these kind of uh, an anom anomalies of the natural world that may or may not be super supernatural or might actually just be of an origin that we don't understand. And that's kind of, uh, you know, a lot of weird fiction covers that same ground. You know what I mean? And I think that's, I would like to see Wheatley do like an HP Lovecraft adaption or something. like oh, that. Oh, I, I would, I would love that. Like, uh, you know, cause they're, they're trying to get the Lovecraft universe going with, uh, color out of space. And I know it looks like, uh, Richard Stanley will no longer be involved. And yeah. uh, I was thinking, I was like, God, wouldn't Ben Wheatley be fucking great for something like this? Yeah. No, I, I mean, Especially off... the Dunwich, Dunwich Horror, which was supposed to be the next one. Yeah. You know, maybe if the, the Meg 2 succeeds, they, they trust <laughs> him to do something like that, you know? That would be, see, that's, that's a one big bonus to, like, you know, a, a sort of a indie director doing a huge movie, you know, like, and it makes a lot of money. They get the cookie, you know, like, okay, you made us a lot of money. Go do what you want, you know? Like when, when Christopher Nolan, uh, you know, was an indie guy and then he made, has some success, you know, with uh, Batman. Now he can do whatever the fuck he wants, you know. So I'm rooting for the Meg 2 to be great, even though I thought the last one was uh, a pile of garbage. But, <laughs> you know, uh, one thing Wheatley does, I mean, effectively, too, is, is characters. Yeah. Um, he's really focuses on that. Even in the Earth, I mean, you really get to know the two main characters. And you spend a lot of time with them for a while before all this bad stuff starts to happen. And um, like I said, I went back and watched Down Terrace. And like that movie is a, a crime movie, but it's very, very focused on this, like this family that lives in the house. And it's not your typical crime movie, but you get to know the characters very well and even feel for them in some sort of way. Um, and Kill This is, is, is exactly like that. I mean, such an effective technique to open the movie with a black screen with this pagan sort of symbol being carved into it and then smash cut into a couple just having this horrible screaming match. Yeah, let, let's uh, just run through like just kind of like the basic setting of this thing. So we got sure. uh, Jay and Gal. They're uh, army buddies and they were in some kind of like special forces uh, elite, you know, 
squad of badasses that, that seem to be doing these, uh, you know, clandestine missions. And there's also, uh, you know, as a what comes up a lot is a mission in Kiev. And we don't, we don't really know what happened there, but something really heavy happened in Kiev, apparently. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're probably both suffering from uh, PTSD, but uh, Jay seems to be having a particularly hard time, maybe because mostly they focus on him. You know, we see him, as you mentioned, he fights with his wife. Um, he's taking medication, and he just overall seems to be having, like, a really, really hard time. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, hasn't worked in eight months. Uh, has his phantom back problems that his wife yells at him for. It's all in his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're running out of money. So uh, yes, you know, Shell is also served in the military too. And uh, but I don't think she was doing, uh, you know, death squad missions into Kiev like uh, like Jay and Gal were doing though. Right. Um, and she's also on board. She knows about Jay's career after the military which is a jay and his best bud gal are hitmen obviously yeah yeah and yeah. she's well aware of it he doesn't try to hide it from her uh she knows she knows jay like they are obviously like a very in some ways very close couple like she completely gets him well you know what's interesting and i like that they did this is they show the complexity of that relationship you know where you, you get the sense that they actually, underneath all of the stuff that's going on, that they actually have, like, an actual good relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. The foundations are there. Um, and he has, you know, his best bud over for dinner, Gal. There's so much going on in, in, in the first 20 minutes of that movie. So much, like, uh, uh, like um, you meet Gal, his best bud, and you get the sense Gal is sort of, you get to see he's pressured Jay to try to get back to work so much to the point where now he's going to his wife being like, Hey, can you get Jay to take this job? Uh, sort of goes over Jay's head, which, you know, angers Jay. Everything seems to anger Jay. He's yeah. a very volatile person. Uh, Gal brings this girl over for dinner. Uh, new girl he met, he says at boxer size, uh, tell, <laughs> tell, tells her that she's a, that, that, that they're salesmen. <laughs> And, um, you know, right away, it, it, it's interesting, like, Gal seems more at peace with what he does than Jay. Like, Jay flies off the rails and does violent things, but he doesn't seem like he's totally at peace with it, whereas Gal is more jokey, a little bit more jovial. I think it's a job for him. Right. It's, he's completely pragmatic. And you think it would be the opposite, because... Jay is sort of a sociopath, whereas Gal seems like a regular guy. Very much so, yeah. And, um, you know, uh, Gal is single. You know, obviously, yeah. he's, like, out there, you know, like, meeting women at boxer size and all that. And, uh, and Fiona is, um, is, is a, a key point. She's, like, a key uh, element in this uh, story. Key. So, Not a huge part, but very key part. She's key. She's a, yeah, definitely. And um, I, I really enjoy the relationship that those two guys have. And, and Ga Gal, I kind of, I kind of, you know, I like to fucking hang out with Gal. Gal seems like a fun guy. He does seem like a fun guy. He is funny. He, uh, he's good to their son. He's always joking around. He seems to be like the guy who's holding court at this very uncomfortable dinner party. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's very Irish too. He is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, also religious. 
He's That's, a man of God. I'm glad you brought that up because they have an issue. And I think this this actually plays into the whole patois of this fucking story. Agreed. Where they're they're at dinner and they're gonna say grace. And mm-hmm. uh Shell and Jay are opposed to it. I'm yes. sorry, Shell Shell's actually wait, I, did I get that right? No, you did. I believe yeah. she said no, we don't we don't really do that right. in this house. But Gal talks about doing grace in like Gaelic or something like that. And and he's yeah. a man of God. Like he believes in God and his uh his buddy and wife are heathens. So <laughs> and this is one of the kind of like darklier, more comedic moments where they show like her setting the place and then the camera kind of pans back to the gravy in the uh, measuring cup, which angers Jay. Yeah. And, you know, they're serving the lamb. Jay takes a whole rack for himself, not realizing you're just supposed to take a little bit. Um, so they each have turns being embarrassed for one another. And they try to like discuss it when, you know, the Fiona goes off to the bathroom but, you know, Jay can't contain his rage and causes a scene. Yeah, and, that's, uh, that's behavior that people have post-traumatic stress disorder have. You know what I mean? That's, you know, like that, that's from what I've read, at least, is the kind of things that happen with those guys. But I think it also says something to Jay's like v- how volatile he is and how prone we'll see later on how prone he is to just going completely off the rails. Like. You see, this is in him before he's even working. Like, he can't even contain, like, you know, he's never met uh, Gal's girlfriend before, but he, like, slams his plate down and then he strips the table of the tablecloth <laughs> with the food still on it and yells, Abracadabra! That's completely, like, can you imagine? Have you ever been to a dinner party like that? No, hell just, no. Be crazy. Yeah. Of course not. You know, I don't think that's never, that, that's <laughs> like, like, fuck no, man. Yeah, well, I, I mean, we've all been in a situation before where someone makes something so uncomfortable, you just don't even know, like, you can't even address it. You just can sort of put your head down. And that's sort of like a moment for yeah, that. Yeah, true. Now, and, real, uh, real quick about Fiona, though, sure. in this case. We, yes. Everyone's talking about what they do for a living, you know, and this and that. And we find out that Fiona is in human resources. Yes, which is, I would say, very accurate. Yeah. Uh, given what we know, but she also, Mike, did you know she kind of snickered a little bit when she said that? Yeah, yeah, because we know that she's there for a reason, and what comes up as in as her job as a human resource specialist is giving the axe to people and finding new candidates. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, so. and uh, I think she, she she laughs because Jay, you know, uh, a gal thinks. He's the one hiding the truth from her when in reality she is hiding the truth from him. This has all been orchestrated. Her meeting Gal, her seducing him, her getting into Jay's life and into his house. Because you see when when she goes off to the the loo, as they say, (laughs) she carves the symbol we saw at the beginning of the movie into the back of the mirror. Like they'll never see it, but it's there. Yep. Totally. And she, she, she takes a cloth, some of Jay's blood. So, so we see the beginnings of something. Yeah. Like, it's begun. I think it's safe to say that Gal is probably the one character who is completely in the dark about all this stuff. Hmm. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say for, my, for me, for my whole theory, I feel like Gal is probably the one who's more or less – 
um, a, a strict pawn in this operation. Like he's not aware of a lot of the things that are going on. I agree with you, but I think he's not the only one. I think okay. this has been debated, and we'll talk about it. Oh, all right. Aside, aside the from... is also a pawn. Okay. All right. Okay. Gotcha. All right. And um, so, yeah, he has a big blowout. And, like, and again, this is just the first 20 minutes of the movie. It's a horror movie. And so far we've seen, like, a couple arguing and a dinner party. And, uh, you know, and the, the wife sort of like, you know, yelling, you took the rack of lamb, you fucking, you went to the store, you didn't buy the toilet roll, you bought 10 bottles of wine, you bought the stupid toy for your son. And, you know, you really get to know these guys. You're like, Jay is volatile. He's, you know, P- PTSD. He's grappling. I think Jay grapples with who he is. And he grapples and he... And, and his family life. There's a part of me that like thinks Jay thinks he's a good guy, good family guy, doing things for, for, for the greater good of his family. But I, I also think there's a part of Jay that doesn't want that life at all. Yeah. Like he doesn't that that he wants to just be this like loner who who who, who does terrible things and and is okay with it. But I think when we meet him, he's not okay. He's not fully at, at rest with with, with, with what he is, where is gal is and gal is happy and jovial and funny, you know? I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And, and their relationship is good. They're such good pals that they can argue and then they get into a fist fight and, <laughs> and then they're like, you know, drinking beers together. That's one of my favorite but, parts of the, uh, of, of the movie actually is when they're, they're like fighting and they're, you know, grappling on the ground and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Like a couple of fucking idiots. I mean, how many, I've seen that a million times amongst friends. I've been that guy, you know, yeah. just drunk, don't ever go over my fucking head. You know, he gets mad about him, but he agrees to take the job, but you know, he's kind of angry that like, Hey, you went to my, you went to Shelly, but like you get the senses or he had to take this. There's no choice. He, one way or another, he was going to do this job. Like it, it has been designed for him like um once again like one of my favorite things in horror is when someone is playing a larger role in something and they don't know it to me that's my favorite kind of horror the wicker man midsummer stuff like that you know you have no idea how fucked you truly are (laughs) oh yeah totally and that yeah it's it's um there's some work going on and that's what i like about this movie yeah, and some, like you said, like foreshadowing, there's a little clever moments sprinkled throughout the movie that, like, on a second viewing, re- kind of reveal itself more. Um, so, yeah, things have begun. Um, and uh, you said Sh- Shell is well aware. She's kind of, like, pushing him to get back to work. Um, as soon as Fiona's, like, done her mission, she she's sort of done with Gal, too, like, and he's very sort of like nonchalant about that. Yeah, you know, he was just, he actually had to do a task and that was it. Right, which brings me to the first one thing I wanted to ask you about because I'm not entirely sure my interpretation of this is correct. There's a scene shortly after uh, with the rabbit. There's a dead rabbit found massacred on the lawn. Yes. And Jay I mean, the rest of the family sort of reacts in horror. Jay's amused by it to the point where he cooks it and he eats it and he's sitting in a chair in his lawn, so satisfied with himself at eating this massacre that he cooked this, this thing. 
that that the wife says the cat brought in for him. I think it's more significant than that. I think that scene means something. Yeah, you know, I I, I picked up on that too. Um, yeah, there's like a cat rabbit thing going on. All right, and yeah. um, you know, Jay is the one who actually talks about the cat as uh, you know making an offering to the family, and Shell is the one who believes that the cat just likes to kill. Right. You know, but Jay is like holding on to this idea that the cat is just trying to keep the family fed, which is also the justification that you have where you're talking about how he's not really, he doesn't want to admit that he loves killing and being brutal. And he thinks that, oh, I'm just doing this for the family. You know what I mean? Right. And, exactly. Um, but the reality is that deep down he loves being brutal and killing and all that kind of stuff. So he's like on the fence and ignoring one side of his personality and who he actually is. Right. That was some of my takeaway from it, but also a part of me also, do you think I like this could also be an offering from the cult? Like, like we say, like it's begun when Fiona shows up at the house or maybe it began sooner, but the chain reaction is set off uh, or, or whatever part of like uh, is necessary for the ritual. Like I think it started there. I can and see then, that. Yeah, maybe. He this is some sort of offering from the cult, something he must consume. Oh, and he just oh, okay. you know, like it's part of the ritual. And there he is kingly. Right. He sort of like looks kingly sitting there by himself eating this offering. Right, it's, right, right, right. And he's the only one who's actually eating the rabbit too. Right. So I also uh, I thought that was like part of the significance of it. There's that metaphorical side to it, but there's also like the literal side. Like this is part of design he has to eat this rabbit for for whatever reason wow okay i didn't even think of that but that's a good one for sure because also he gets later on when he goes to accept the job we meet the client yes who cuts both of their hands now wait does he only cut i think he only cuts jay's hand i believe he cuts his own hand as well oh right both of his okay i thought you meant gal yeah he cuts, right, no, yeah, right. All right, yeah, the client and Jay both get their hand cut, yes. Right, and Jay gets a really nasty in, in, infection from it, and you wonder, like, I, I thought maybe there's something in that offering that he needed to consume for the blood, you know, something that would get in his bloodstream, something. It seemed like it was important to what, whatever plans this, this, this cult had. That, yeah, the, the cut and the infection, for sure. Uh, I, I was thinking the same thing, that that... Yeah. Maybe there was something that had to go into his bloodstream, you know, like like what you were saying. But also, his infection prompts him to go to the doctor or to what right. he and thinks it, is his doctor, but it's actually some other fucking guys there. Right, and and he doesn't really do anything for him. He just offers him a bit of strange <laughs> advice. Yeah, he asks Thank him. He's like, he's like, you know, uh, are you, you know, how is your sex life and stuff like this? And he's like, well, I thought I was here to talk about me hand, you know, and. Yeah, that he, yeah, he, again, he, he lays yeah. this very Lovecraftian uh, statement on him. The past right. is gone. The future is not yet here. There is only ever this moment. Yeah, if a doctor ever said anything like that to me, that, <laughs> I mean, there's a few moments where Jay, like, maybe is in denial. He doesn't understand what's happening to it, can't process it. Like, that whole scene with the doctor, like, I don't think he can process that. Like it, it's just not in his DNA. Because later in the movie, there's a scene where he thinks he were, 
he sees Fiona out the window of a hotel room and never says anything. So I think, you know, it's a slow mental breakdown. And yeah. I think, again, it's all part of the process. Totally. Um, and you're probably right about the uh, the bloodstream, you know, like having an infection. And, you know, any anyone out there who's actually had an untreated infection, is it it can fuck with you you're mentally too. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I think it's significant. I think everything about this is designed. So you get to the actual hit list. Yeah. There's what three, do you have? And there's three, three targets. Yep. Right. Who was the first one was, was the priest. The priest. Yep. Uh, well, first, like I, I enjoyed like the, the little moments of them leading up to their first tip <laughs> as then like, and Gal goes, I love this bit. You know, they're dressed up. They're really trying to sell the fact that they're salesmen. Yeah. And and even the clerk is just like at the hotel, you know, look like salesmen. And, you know, Jay's card is declined. You know, it's another like and then there's another fight with his wife on the phone. The fucking car was fucking declined. And, you know, Gal being the smooth guys is I'll take care of it. Um, we see the, uh, uh, another uh, significant scene. They're having dinner at an empty restaurant with a group of Christians sitting next to him. I love this part. <laughs> this part's fucking great. Yeah. Oh, dude. So uh, uh, such a, a great example of how fucking funny Ben Wheatley's sense of humor is and how perfectly is it casting. Like that guy who plays the, the, the leader of the Christian group looks like a Beavis and Butthead drawing. Like, yeah. he's fucking. <laughs> And he picks up this like fucking horribly tuned acoustic guitar and starts singing about God. And it just enrages Jay. Enrages him. And I don't think it's because like of the social norms of like you don't play guitar uh, and sing in a not in a restaurant, mate. Um, I think Jay has just disdain for religion. I think that's an important part of his character. He seems to really, he doesn't want Gal saying grace. He doesn't want this fucking troop of happy Christians to be happy when he's around. I, I think, I think specifically he hates Christians. That's like my, yeah. my, then that they're making a point, you know, cause he's like, you know, how it's not, not the place, the proper place and the proper place is like, in the middle of nowhere where no one fucking hears them, basically <laughs> yeah. fucking threatens Jimmy the guy Hendrix. and you know, all this stuff, you know, it's great. Cause fucking Jimi Hendrix, you ain't right. <laughs> and I just love when he just kind of tosses a guitar to the ground and you hear just boom. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, gal is just laughing the whole time. He's so amused by this. And then he's like, Hey, get him another round of orange juice on me. Yeah. And of course gal um, smooths everything over. Cause that's, you know, that's what he does, you know? That's what he does. Jay flies off the handle and Gal fucking cleans up his his mess. But he's amused by this. But it's 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 a funny scene. It's great, but it's important to know that like this this is part of I think why why the cult has an interest in 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 Jay and May think he's because he just has this disdain for Christians. Yeah. And um, their first target is, is a priest. Yes, which Jay seems a little bit delighted with, whereas Gal seems a bummed. Yeah, because like, Gal, get... obviously, you know, he's a God-fearing man, you know, probably Catholic, you know what I mean, being Irish and all. And I like another effective technique of this movie is the creepy music over these, like, little quick montages. It's not like a complex score, just sort of like a drone and someone, like, humming. They're very old school. And you see them sort of cleaning their guns. And because of the music, you get this like anxiety feeling like, you know, like it's sort of like you're playing your first show of a tour 
you know, you're oh, yeah, backstage, okay. you're working yeah. the jitters out, you know what I mean? You know, it's like, you know, you've done this a million times, but you still got the jitters. And I liked that little montage of that before they go and do their first hit. Like, although these guys are pros, they've done it a million times, they still got a little bit of the jitter assume. They know they're about to go do a bad thing that can get them in a lot of trouble. There's little moments like that throughout the movie that just, just make it better than your average movie. Um, first hit goes pretty smooth. Like the, the, the interesting thing. Okay. I'm sure you picked up on this. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they all, it's pretty plain. They all say, they all seem happy. They all seem honored that they're b- about to be murdered by Jay. Yeah. He thanks him actually. All right. So the second, uh, the second hit is the librarian, you know, and, and this right. is when things start going off the rails a little bit. Yeah. Like, First hit, routine, we mentioned thank you, a little weird. Those guys just sort of brush it off. It's like, oh, he's he's probably a fucking pedophile. And it's relieved that it's finally over for him. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're casing out the librarian. He's coming from a warehouse. Uh, and this is where things get interesting. Jay goes off script here. They're the only contract to just take him out. Don't care when or how, just do it. But Jay wants to go in into the warehouse for some reason and see and see why they're uh they're about to do what they're about to do which is interesting to me like you know like jay's a professional but he does these things that like you know this isn't part of the job but he does it anyway but i think jay needs to have a righteous cause to to kill these people because he doesn't want to think of himself as a terrible person uh and in this case he goes into the warehouse and they find um all this porn, leaves some of it like, uh, and gals sees a, a DVD player or something starts playing it, and he's like, "Oh, Jay, you don't want to, you, you don't want to see this." And it sounds like a like a kid being fucked or tortured or something. Something really awful is on that, and it really, really sets Jay off. Like, and uh, the music sort of builds. You see this disgust on Jay's face, and it just cuts right to him at the house fucking beating on the librarian <laughs> yeah torturing jay's gone off yeah. gone off script at this point and this is just supposed to be a quick hit and jay is just fucking this guy up and it's one of the more brutal scenes in the movie yeah actually this is uh there's only two parts where they really get down with the violence and yeah uh, and i think this is the one that's like they really uh you know went went all in on this part where you know he's like beating him with a hammer it's like some really intense shit burning him with cigarettes yeah (laughs) it kind of shows you like it's it's interesting that it it builds up to this because you know like in a a lifetime of watching um you know action movies and you know crime films and this is like the quintessential torture scene you know like when they're trying to get information out of somebody they're like you know interrogating someone you know, they, all the tropes, I think, you know, they bring a hammer and they're burning them and, you know, all this kind of stuff plays out. So you're, the the knowledge of inflicting pain that Jay has, he's like an expert at it, as a, as you see from this scene. Mm. Yeah, he probably, he, he, he's done some shit in his past and, you know, he's going to enjoy this one. Like, as angry as he is, he's taking pleasure in doing this stuff to him. It's not even like a job to him anymore. It's personal. And 
Well, this what really makes the scene creepy is Dow goes to like you know Robin. He's like, all right, we're off script now. Yeah, Might as well what... fucking get <laughs> get some money out of this. And then I, the librarian saw him going before he's screaming in pain, saying, "No, no, no!" His demeanor completely changes. Like now he's sort of in awe of Jay. Like he doesn't. Your partner doesn't know who you are, does he? And thank you. And this, again, enrages Jay. And he starts beating him more and more with the hammer. And the librarian is crying out, thank you. <laughs> it's very unsettling. Also, when, when um, Gal goes up to rob the guy, he finds a, a, a folder with the Kiev, with information about Kiev in it. Yeah, yeah. And again, like, like in a lesser movie, you'd read the con- everything would be spelled out for you. But it's still not. You never really know what happens in Kiev, although you kind of do. Jay probably went fucking completely psycho, like like he's doing right now at this point in the movie. Yeah. And um, someone someone thought that was uh, a, a a virtue in Jay, and that he's being right. groomed for something bigger than this. Exactly. Yeah. I wonder how long the cult had an interest in Jay. I know it was at least Kiev, like something stood up and took notice and they took a very big interest in this guy enough to, you know, replace his doctor and, you know, have a a girl infiltrate his house. And on the second hit, I think they, they see what they need because not only does, does Jay brutally kill the librarian, he's also tortures him for information about who made that tape they watched. Yeah. And Jay and Gal go and track them down. And, you know, this is, you just see Jay goes, if I'm not out in 20 minutes, come get me. (laughs) And you just see Gal waiting around like, fuck this. And he goes in. The first thing you see is a dead dog. Like, Jay doesn't, he's just like, doesn't even, he kills the fucking dog. He kills the guy sitting in the chair. And we get down in the basement. He's just mercilessly beating this guy into like mush basically and he's covered in blood he's completely lost it i know right it's like, it's like yeah, damn it's, just... it, it's gone to that 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 place and um at this point that's when they discuss abandoning the bro- the project right yeah, yeah. They're like, they're, gals like you're fucking nuts get help i can't fucking work with you you know gals again gals a professional like this is a job to him in and out get the money go have a beer go have a laugh Jay takes this stuff too personally. And Gal, Gal knows something's amiss now. Like, he's looking at this KFO. He realizes that something isn't quite as it seems. And, and they kind of go home. They go their separate ways. And which brings me to then my next thing that really had me thinking. The cat that, that, made, that may have made the offering to him. The family cat is found strung up and hung on the porch. Now, obviously, they try to, like, oh, maybe it was the neighborhood kids. Maybe it was the gypsies. Obviously, it was the cult. Yeah. What I couldn't quite ever figure out is why the cat. Like, they need this from, like, they're getting what they want from Jay. Why send him a warning? Maybe to, like, not abandon the job? Well, yeah, that's, maybe that's, I think that's how I read it is because that's when, after he, they, they said that if you don't, if you don't continue with this mission, 
we're going to kill your family, right? So, am I starting opinion, with a cat? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And Jay is the cat, a fucking psychopathic murderer, who also, right. who also, by the way, provides for his family through his uh, murder. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like a cat. Right. So there's significance. It's not just like it's a horror movie. The cat's got to die. It's no, a very no, no. significant moment. Yeah, I think they're they're symbolically saying that you're the cat. You know, the cat's a murderer, killer, predator, you know, who loves killing and hunting, but also provides food for his family. And we have no problem killing you, basically, and your family, in effect. So it's like this kind of, I mean, that's how I see it. I don't know if that's what. No, I know. I totally, totally agree. Like, once you say it, it seems obvious. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, you know, it's not. It wasn't obvious the first couple times i saw the movie i mean look guys out there uh, we watch we've watched this movie many many times over the years so it's not like we picked all this up in one shot you know right uh because thought of me a part of me is like well they need to get the family to that cabin like they could also be like a frightened element like they see that it's a threat we got to get we got to get the wife and the son out of here yeah and get into the cabin where they think it's safe but obviously the cult knows about the cabin and then they know about everything yeah. They know about everything. You get the one scene of like exposition coming up, but it's not even like a corny exposition dump. They go and they meet with the client and the client's like, you can't abandon, like you said, you can't abandon this. We'll kill all of you. We'll kill your family. We'll kill you. And that's when he says this one sentence, like we're restructuring and you are cogs. And that harkens back to uh, our, our uh, human resources uh, specialist, Fiona. You right, know, where, and, where at the dinner table they're talking about, oh, you know, I had to ax a couple people and, you know, we have to find some new talent, you know. Right. And it says that who they chose for Jay to kill. Like, they weren't surprised. They were probably told, like, hey, we think we found our leader. Yeah. <laughs> you have to sacrifice yourself for, for the cult. And they are, it's like an honor. For them to be killed and they weren't chosen at random they're chosen specifically to get that reaction out of jay i think i think everything was perfectly like, perfectly orchestrated yeah and, i'll agree with that for sure yeah yeah to the human rights point like even like we said earlier jay sees fiona outside of the window there she is checking up on her employees <laughs> yep are you are you doing are you doing the job um but, you know, interesting, too, Jay, you know, he, like he, he, somewhere in the back of Jay's head, he knows something is not right. He knows they know about Kiev, basically do the job. But now it's kind of weird. Gail is kind of freaked out. And where it was Jay seems something he has to know in the back of his mind something is amiss. But now he's sort of like, all right, well, well let's go on with the job. And now Gail is the, or uh, Gal is a little bit more apprehensive about this next one. He's like, you know. He's not sure. He's like, he even asked, like, how long have we been working for you? Um, yeah, it's a guy in Parliament that they have to take out now. An MP, yeah. And uh, this, like, you know, sets up one of the scarier sequences in the movie. Um, they have this moment. They go through this, this, this tunnel, and they're sort of camping out outside of this massive, nice house, and they're making comments, like, how does one person live in such a, a massive house? And again, we see um, Daryl hunts a rabbit and for them to eat, uh, you know, another rabbit 
offering of sorts. You know what I thought was funny? It's like, how, how long in the how long were these guys planning on being in the woods, man? You know what I mean? It's like, couldn't they just bring like a couple of cliff bars or something they had to fucking hunt? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was weird. It was sort of like what well, I they didn't really seem to have a, a plan. They were just going to scope it out. And but you know, did they hunt the rabbit with like handguns or like? <laughs> Like just the whole, well, that's the only thing that, that felt weird to me was uh, the hunting part of this thing. Yeah, well, that and Jay brings this assault rifle that his wife got him as a gift. <laughs> and then it's like, who do you think you're here to kill? Like, or I guess like, I guess they're a little bit on edge. Yeah. And they needed to be on edge because they needed to get another something out of Jay. So while they're scoping the place out, we finally get a good look at this at that at the cult and what they look like and um you know they're like naked wearing wicker masks yeah and you see they're about to sacrifice someone which sets jay off again jay like i'm not the bad guy i'm gonna try to save this fucking woman and he just goes completely berserk and the reaction when jay starts shooting the guy off and just turns around and offers himself up to him again it's an honor to be to, to be struck down by Jay. What's interesting about all of this is it's really a setup. I think Gal was really always the intended target of, of this of this day, of this mission. Really? Huh. Yeah. Okay. I think again, it's all part of breaking down Jay and getting rid of the things in his life that he's attached to. And for whatever reason, Jay has to be the one to kill out his best friend yeah he, he gets fatally wounded um like, like they stab him in the stomach and you know there's a scene where you see his intestines coming out and everything and and uh jay right. mercifully has to shoot him in the head right and it's one of that whole sequence is one of the best sequences in the movie i don't want to sell it short how incredibly scary that moment is where jay's just Gal's like, no, stop. You know, there's, there's too many of them. And Jay's just like, fuck it. Like, he, he cannot fucking control himself. And just starts going berserk. And the cult start chasing him. They chase him into this, like, labyrinth tunnel. And you see that the, the way they came in is now blocked off. Right. Yes. So this was a plan. And Gal couldn't escape. That's why I think he, he was the intended target all along. Oh, like we okay. got to trap them, yeah. wound him, and then, uh, or somehow, and and you get Jay to finish the job. It's part of the ritual, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I didn't see that right away, but it makes total sense now that you break it down like that. Yeah, and this further sends sends Jay like Jay's, as we know it at this point, is gone. Like he's vomiting, he's crying. You know, he, he, he just can't even process that he lost his best friend, you know, and like what he just saw, like what the fuck is going on? These people, naked people in whisker, wicker masks chasing me through, 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 through tunnels. Um, I mean, me at that point, I just would have gotten the car and kept driving and driving and <laughs> created a new identity. But he goes back to the cabin to get his family um, which really sets up the end of the movie and the true plot of what Jay means to these people is sort of revealed, I would say. 
um, uh, see, how do you, like, so, yeah, to go to the cabin. Yeah, there's, and, there's, uh, the cultists following there. There's like a, you know, a well, they know, a, they know where he's going. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's or, a they skirmish. They might already even be there. Yeah. There's a skirmish, you know, and they get his, him, he and his family get abducted. And then we're at another ritual, basically, at the end. Right. And Jay is stripped to his uh, pants, has a mask put over him, and is given a knife and has to fight the hunchback, yep. his fourth and final target. Also note that uh, we see Fiona there, and as well as his fake doctor. Right. All is, all is like, yeah, and he's can't really see the process it's still but like he goes and he's handing the knife and he's just going an instant kill you know this is a fight this person's trying to kill me this hunchback's trying to kill me i'm gonna kill it and he dispatches with the hunchback without much without much of a fight and then you get the big reveal well well, that's just for anyone the hunchback is is this thing a person with a sheet over it you know right uh, yeah so you don't really know it looks like a mask (laughs) So you don't really know who's under there. And then we discover that it's his wife and son. Yes. That he killed. And, and in this horrific moment, they all, the, the, the cults start to clap. Hooray, the ritual is completed. He is given the crown. He is anointed king. The cult has successfully completed their mission. Everything that needed to happen, happened. They found what they think is their new leader, their new messiah, who is going to... I mean, we never get a... We don't really know what their overall plan is. We just know that this little moment in their in their existence. Um, now, when it is revealed that it's Shelley and his son... You see Shelly mortally wounded. She starts to laugh. This seems to be something that's debated about a lot. Do you have a take on it? Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about this too, man. Like, I I don't know. It's, um, all right. If she was part of the cult, she actually shot some of the cult members when, when they attacked the house. Right. So, I don't know. Like, I, I'm going to say that she wasn't a cult member. I, I agree. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah, that, um, that doesn't, it doesn't really make sense, but I don't know why she was laughing when she was laying there dead, bleeding to death, you know, dying. I have kind of a theory about that. Okay, what's your theory? Well, throughout the movie, we're seeing her, like, not belittling Jay, but sort of pointing out his misdoings. Um, you spent all the money on the jacuzzi money. There's nothing left. You haven't worked for eight months. You fucking went to the store and you bought 10 bottles of wine, but you didn't get the toilet roll. <laughs> now, you, you, you took the whole rack of lamb. You know, you fucking, your credit card isn't working. You, you, you're you like, that laugh is her final argument with Jay. I think the cult, while they're prepping her, the cult probably said, you know, Jay's our, this is a big honor. You don't know who your husband really is. And... In the end, she's mortally wounded. She can't scream. She can't fight. She can just laugh like you fucking think you're a cult leader. <laughs> oh, you know, that's great, man. That, good job, man. I, that's fucking awesome. I like that. I'll go with that. 
yeah, that's what I got out of it. Yeah, no, that make that but, makes perfect sense that you describe it that way. It was just her final. You know, you fucking you went to the store and you bought wine instead of toilet paper. You know, and, like, and now this, you fucking killed and yeah, me and your son. <laughs> exactly, and all she can do is just let out like this horrific laugh. And wow, okay, that's the that's how the movie ends. It just cuts to a text, kill this. It just cuts to the, the title of the movie, and it is such a gut punch of an ending. Wow, I didn't see it coming. Yeah, even though it's foreshadowed. At the very beginning of the movie. Yeah, there's there's actually yeah, they're they're playing around a sword fight with the the mother and the son and and Jay. They have a scene and it part of it's in slow motion where they have these, you know, toy swords. Yeah, and this creepy string music is playing yep. over it. That can also be taken metaphorically as Jay hates his like and wants to secretly kill his family. Like to oh, kill not, not so secretly, really. Right, yeah, to, to 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 kill this 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 life that he seems that he wants to pretend that he likes, but maybe feels like trapped in. Uh, and then he eventually actually does kill his family, and he does it without any emotion on his face. He's, I don't know what if he's in shock, if he's, you know, I I, I don't know where his head is at at the at the end of the movie, but. You know, yeah, I have a feeling the next day of his life was much different than anything we saw on screen. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's also important to note that he killed his wife, his son, and Gal. Even though Gal was mortally wounded, Jay was the one who actually killed him. Right. Yeah. yeah. So and he I, killed think... all of his, his his old life has been. He actually, it wasn't taken from him. He destroyed his whole his old life. And it was, I think, all by design. I think yeah. everything we saw was carefully executed and planned out by this cult who, what do you think? They seem to maybe like run a company or something. You're not really, you're not really sure what the cult's motives are or what they do, but they have like a boss. They have an HR person. <laughs> they, they, they have structure. They have hierarchy. Uh, like, um, like, like, uh, not like your typical like wicker man cult, more like, you know, like, like they go to work every day in a suit and a tie and uh, go to an office. Yeah, I mean, and, it's, uh, it kind of ties into that other uh, film that we watched. It's almost like one of these um, Bohemian Grove uh, kind of, um, you know, clandestine operations that have their hands possibly in, in making big moves globally. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. And it, I think it was a wise choice to, to stay away, not, not, not show that part. Like I can imagine, like if Terry Gilliam directed this, like it would all be about like this like corporate satire where like yeah. if you don't do your job, you get murdered, and like you know. But like it, it, it smartly stays away from that and just focuses on Jay and 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 Gal's relationship, which is that that's the core of the movie. And uh, you you don't really get too much of the motivation of the cult and what the why they're doing what they're doing. And you pieces you sort of piece it together like like we're doing. And, and not even that's a different take. Exactly, and not even like immediately. Like it took me like a long time to figure this whole thing out. Yeah, I've seen the movie six times, and I still don't think like you know I did. Someone else could come up with a scenario. I'm like, wow, that's completely blows away what I thought. Like, um, and that's what's so great about this movie. Uh, like it, it's just keeps revealing different things to you every time. You watch it, you can take something different away from it. 
Uh, aside from it being like the folky horror stuff that I love, it is expertly made by a relatively new filmmaker who hasn't really made anything like this since. Like ben Whitley doesn't seem to want to repeat himself as far as the kind of films he makes. He may do some genre-ish movies, but and like uh, In the Earth is you know folky, woodsy, but it's nothing like this. Yeah, Field in England. You know, I mean, he's Field made, in England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's made like three films like this. I mean, not, and they're not even like this, really. Three films that are genre films. And then he can make something like Free Fire, which is like this one a ninety-minute choreographed shootout that's also like really funny. It's almost sort of like a comedy. Um, but I mean, if you can do con horror, you can do comedy. You know, like they're they're, they're very kind of close and like you know. Uh, execution like they're both very hard to pull off and make him make him good and he, he's done both and he's done them very well uh i don't know if you've seen sightseers it's sort of a, a very black comedy about a, a couple of serial killers no i should check these out man like i've only seen basically three of his films uh you know i saw obviously i've seen this one i've seen a field in england and i've seen uh in the earth mm. and then you know the episodes he did on uh strange angel yeah I, I highly recommend Down Terrace. Okay. Highly recommend Maybe it. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Yeah. yeah, you can rent it on Amazon. That's how I watched it. Cool. Um, free Fire is also on Amazon, I believe. I think that's on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free. Uh, a great movie. You would never think, like, this is the guy that did Kill List. You know, it's so, other than it's, like, great craftsmanship, like, that they, they share nothing in common <laughs> and, and a very dark sense of humor. Um there is a very dark sense of humor, a streak going through Kill List, I think. That, very, that's like, very dark. Very, very, very dark. much so, yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could go back and see this movie for the first time again. And I want to say, like, everyone I've watched this movie with, because I'm like, if, if someone's staying with me or whatever, I'm like, you haven't seen Kill List? All right, we're watching it. No one seems as impressed with this movie as I am. My wife at the time didn't like it. Um, interestingly enough, our, our friend Peter Ferris was staying with me and we did a double feature. He had never seen Kill List, so I was like, we're watching Kill List. And then we watched a Serbian film for both of us for the first time right after. And I forget who pointed it out. I was like, There's some weird similarities between the movies. Yeah, definitely there are. I thought, I thought of that immediately. I mean, I'd seen Serbian oh, film before like i saw a serbian film right when it came out actually me and mike went to go see it yeah, in, right. in, a, in a movie theater <laughs> so uh the fact that there was the thing at the end where the the father kills the family basically i was like oh yeah just like serbian film except not as like you know doesn't like fuck the kid or anything like that you know yeah i found this kill list to be the superior of the two and oh, more yeah. disturbing yeah yeah no definitely because it's more grounded yeah it was serbian film gets so over the top that like you could almost say like this is ridiculous but <laughs> you know uh but you really you like these characters because you spend the whole movie with these two and you, you especially gal like when gal even though he's a bad guy he does bad things you feel for him like he didn't deserve his fate but yeah. his his fate was sealed the day he met fiona like this yeah. was this was going to happen that's true um 
Yeah, with Gal, what, what happens with Gal is like when you watch The Sopranos, you know, or you, and and you feel for like uh, the characters, even though they they're murderers. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, they're monsters. Yeah, like Gal is like, oh man, he's my my you know my mate, man. The guy's awesome, you know. But then, you know, so you you build up this kind of uh, you know affinity and sympathy for him. Yeah, absolutely, and and even. You feel for Jay, like he's being played and he doesn't know it. Um, you know, you get these like cool, like little cutaway moments of Jay, like acting like a monkey to amuse his son or like, you know, having a heart to heart with uh, his son about death, you know, like Jay wants to be a good guy, but he's not. And he's yeah. wrestling with that the whole movie. So in the way, in the end, he's free of all that. And not that I want a sequel, I never wanted like a sequel to a movie like this, but you wonder what Jay's life is like now after that. Yeah, definitely like, no does, sequel. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like does other... he go to the office every day? <laughs> and like now he's just like their boss. Like what? What does his life look like? Because he killed his family, he's killed his best friend, and now he is the leader of this cult. They've anointed him. They they, they liked what they saw in Kiev. They liked what they saw on on on, on his killless mission. He's their guy. Yeah, definitely makes you think. Like, you wonder, like, to what extent are they some kind of doomsday cult? Are they, you know, like, they're obviously there's a strong anti Christian sentiment with these guys, mm. you know? I wonder, too, like, is Jay some sort of, like, not just someone they chose, or is he, like, a chosen one? Yeah, I is thought there, the same like, thing. A, an ancient book with, like, an etching of Jay in it. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but you, you don't know. It could, could be. Like, you, the, the, the stuff about the the cult is very vague and it is not all spelled out for you. And that's what makes this movie so fucking good. Exactly. I, I was that, that's an interesting point, man. They, they either thought it was Jay or Barney Greenway from, uh, from Napalm death. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that in the text and I was like, Holy shit. He does look like Barney. So, uh, that's, yeah, maybe they that, tried Barney out first and he didn't take the bait on it and they went with Jay. Yeah, that made me even more sympathetic to, to, to Jay because, you know, like, you know, I was thinking it's Barney and, you know, Barney's like this nice guy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, wow. So, I mean, final grade, oh, dude. what would you give Kill This? Five. Five out of five, clearly. A hundred percent. Yeah, man. Um, like, to my point I was saying earlier, no one seems to enjoy this movie as much as I did. When I showed it to Pete, he's like, yeah, that was good. It was, it was a good movie. But I am like, no, no, no. This is a masterpiece. This is one of the best horror movies ever made. I'm a little surprised, no actually, because, you know, Pete being an author and all, there's a lot of, like, kind of literary. Like, a, the, the movie has a feel of, like, like, you know, like reading a book almost, you know. Absolutely. He did like it, but I, I just... Everyone I, I showed it to for the first time, they're never as like blown away as I was. This was my, when we, you and I, our first podcast we ever did together, we did our 10 best movies of the last 10 years. My number one was Kill List. Um, this might be tied with The Wicker Man for my favorite horror film of all time. Really? Yeah. I know you're always supposed to pick a classic as your favorite, the best, blah, blah, blah. I, I think this movie... Is perfect. There's not yeah. one real misstep or anything I can really criticize about it. 
I actually like this more than a Wicker Man, to be honest. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the Wicker Man, but I don't love it, though. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I, I love it. <laughs> uh, it's very of its time, too. Yeah. Whereas this, I feel, is a little bit more timeless. Sure. I feel like, like I said, this could have been made in the 70s, and it wouldn't really be, I don't think it would be that different. It's, it's different at all. Um, it's perfect in, in, in every way, and I can watch this movie endlessly it is uh expertly made it is creepy great use of you know quick montages with creepy music and cutting to like dead silence that's an effective technique they use it in the exorcist a lot of these loud disruptive noises and cut to like dead silence there's there's some of that in this too that's very effective this movie does ramp up intention even though it starts with an argument you know things are tense, but there's just this as Jay starts to unravel. I don't know, like this this feeling in my chest kept growing, this anxiety as I watched it for the first time. Yeah, it's uh, I I really would like for them to put out some kind of Blu-ray edition of this, you know? Yeah, it just seems to like I I don't know why. Like I thought like first time I saw, I was like, this is destined to be like like a cult favorite you know maybe it'll be like that movie possession that came out in the 80s and now is finally starting to get like more recognition maybe it'll be like that maybe it just hasn't gotten in front of like the right eyes yet to you know someone to release like a deluxe edition or like you know with all this extra stuff like it just isn't interest now but maybe there will be well you know the thing is i was hoping uh you know there's that thing that severin is put put out uh, or is putting out right now that's starting to ship the pre-orders are starting to ship for it. It's the um, uh, the title I forgot, but it's basically a folk, quote unquote, folk horror like collection. Mm. Uh, I pre I pre-ordered it. I haven't gotten it yet. That, that's what I'm talking about. Severin kind of fucking up. Oh okay. Oh okay. Uh, uh, what's in it? Oh, it's got all these. It's got like fucking. I don't know, dude. It's got it. Well, what it does have by Ben Wheatley is a field in England. Oh, interesting. Okay. But I was like, man, why couldn't they just put both of those fucking movies in there? Feeling England, and this would fit right in, right in, li- in line with that. But it wasn't included in the collection. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's probably a rights thing. Who knows? It's it sucks. Wow. I mean, maybe like, well, both of those films are on Shutter right now. You can watch Kill List and you can watch uh, Field in England, both on Shutter. You yeah, know, so. I gotta watch Field in England. I saw it when it came out and haven't seen it since. And I liked it, but it was so weird. I was like, I can't imagine revisiting that anytime soon. But I, I think now would be a good time to revisit it. The uh, the guy from the Mighty Boosh is in that too. Um, yeah, I forgot his name. The uh, the guy who played Howard. <laughs> yeah, also very like comedy, but like Mighty Boosh is comedy, but it's also got this like weird disturbing element to it. Yeah, so, I love the Mighty Boosh, man. That the three seasons of that are brilliant. The British do comedy very, very well, and they do it in short bursts. Whereas you get twenty episodes of a TV show over here, you get six over there. Yeah, and I think less is always more. And uh, you know, t- Kill List. Yeah, Kill List sort of goes by that philosophy. You know, like not everything is spelled out for you. Not everything is shown. Like when Jay goes on the fucking rampage in the warehouse, you only you see sort of more more of the aftermath of what he's done than than, than what he's doing, and uh, that to me is just as effective. 
um, yeah, hopefully this movie will get the recognition it, it deserves. This is, I, I think, a, a classic. And it, it, it would be a shame if it just sort of faded into uh, obscurity because it's just too fucking good. I agree. And uh, it being on Shutter definitely should hopefully help yeah. raise the awareness of this thing. So, yeah, absolutely. Man, I uh, gets a shining review from us, even though you know the movie came out a while ago. I'm sorry for the spoilers, but the movie's old, man. You guys should yeah. have seen it by now, but, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, thanks for <laughs> listening. And, uh, you know, make sure if you enjoy the show to subscribe, follow us on Instagram, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Take care, everyone.
actually. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you're, you're lucky, man. Actually, you know, I'm trying to think. I've been around people on coke that are on coke, but I don't know about meth. Maybe it's the same thing. I don't know. Is it's it? it's really it's totally not a, a, a totally different thing. Like there, coke just makes you like a fucking bigger like you know asshole, whereas like meth just makes you a fucking weirdo wants to take everything apart and put it back together or something. I don't know. I know a couple people who had some some issues with meth and it's it's not and i know some people had some issues with coke i think we uh, know we know some of the same people that probably have had those issues i i, I think we do mike <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but uh two 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 totally different things uh both something yeah so i don't want any part <laughs> <laughs>